0: And this feels normal. This feels like my little sliver of normalcy that I simply am without right now because I've learned from a friend that August is no longer August. We're going to refer to it as aghast because I have been aghast for the last two and a half weeks. And all of that has come to a head in the last three days in a story that I'm sure I will tell to our lovely listeners But this feels normal to be sitting down on a Tuesday. That's the abnormal part So this episode releasing on Wednesday, so that's a little abnormal. But this feels good. This feels like routine, and I'm feeling good about being here with the lovely Laura Norman. Laura, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday evening?
1: I'm good. I am very happy to be back recording. Um, I will say that we had every intention of coming back and returning with our, our normal release schedule and recording schedule this week. But, um, with your life currently, um, that that situation just kept getting moved.
0: Whatever um, could you be talking about? Am I, is, is my life <laughs> falling apart at the seams? Is that what's happening? Is that, is that the current situation?
1: I mean, pretty much. Uh, and I'm just trying to be as supportive as possible Um, through this uh, incredibly trying time that your form of employment is putting you through where you had to survive a natural disaster um, and then your phone completely uh, died as a result of it. Um, I was going to say, speaking
0: of things that didn't survive the natural disaster.
1: (laughs) And we've been communicating strictly through your least favorite social media app for the last two days um he's said it before but jeremy hates instagram which is why i handle our instagram account and it's been his only form of communication Um, i could
0: could use facebook messenger but to me they feel very similar i think i think there's also like my family explicitly uses facebook messenger to communicate and which is not inherently a problem it just blows me away and so i like check facebook messenger more regularly so it really doesn't make sense that i'm not using facebook to to do this but yeah currently my form of communication is strictly instagram i did today so good news i held on to the last iphone that i had before my current one that is currently you know in the afterlife (laughs) and was able to put the sim card in this old phone and i can make phone calls on it now that's a welcome change the issue, though, is that nothing else is working on it. Like, I don't, I still don't get notifications on this phone. I still don't, I can't iMessage. I can't do any of those things. But if you're team Android, shoot me a text. We can be friends because apparently that's working. Like, apparently I can text people with Androids, but outside of that, uh, you're going to have to hit me up on Instagram at Jeremy Paul or Jeremy.Paul71 that's my Instagram. There's the dot in my Instagram. That's why you'll see here that I am so pro Twitter, because when you watch any of our clips and we have our little names on the bottom, mine is explicitly my Twitter at and not my Instagram at, which required me to put a period between my two names. So you live and you learn. And uh, that is what it is. But yeah, I listen. I know we're not an actual disaster podcast, but I'm here (laughs) to give people a story if they want to hear it.
1: I mean, I think we we've hinted at it enough that um, it's it's probably worth telling because uh, it's it's pretty crazy, actually. Yeah,
0: and honestly, I feel like I've kind of like underplayed it even to you a little bit because like I haven't given like a ton of like really deep context. But essentially, so I work in higher education. You all have gleaned this by now. And specifically, I work with fraternities and sororities, and I advise them, all that kind of fun stuff, and in turn also do work with student organizations at the college that I work at. And the biggest thing at the start of the year at almost every college across America is is some sort of an involvement fair, right? So all all of the organizations, all of the campus departments, and those kind of things will come out, local businesses, and they will have tables giving you information about how to get involved in their organization how to you know if you're looking for campus employment if you're looking for off-campus employment like that is like it is your info hub of the start of the semester it's really exciting it feels like the kind of thing that breeds life into the start of a semester and so i love involvement fairs like i think they're a great time and thankfully i have never found myself being the person who has to be primarily in charge of those things because i think i would die like i don't think i could do it like that's not right like my skill set but all this to say, friday or no sunday rolls around sunday august 28th is when we did this and so at like two o'clock like we're looking at the weather and all of a sudden allendale which is home to the college that i work in are at which i guess you could figure out what college i'm talking about now um <laughs> not so many colleges in allendale but gets like this torrential downpour of like really terrible rain and one of my friends who was um you know it, at about 10 15 minutes south of allendale was like it's sunny here like the weather is perfectly fine i was like great love that it's not here though and that's a problem <laughs> and so we ended up making through that rain and then the radar was clear the radar said that there was no rain coming until maybe nine and the 9 was a maybe, which was fine because the event is 6 to 8. So we were like, golden, we're going to be fine. And so we get the event set up pretty quickly. It's humid, it's gross, but we get we get this table set up. We're feeling good. Again, 400 tables set up. And we get it set up, good to go. Event starts. Things are going swimmingly for 11 fucking minutes. And then at 6.11, with no warning... A big black cloud rolls over out of nowhere. And what then proceeds to happen is we have cups set up on our check in table for our office that's in charge of this event. And students are supposed to check in there. They're supposed to get their little like giveaways and all this kind of stuff, a little scavenger hunt to go through the different orgs. It's a really great time. The cups start falling off the tables, and we're like, oh, that's not great. It's not ideal. Um, So I start picking up the cups, trying to, like, salvage those. Then a huge gust of wind hits. Every single cup that was set on the table flies onto the ground. And I'm like, this ain't great. This is not going to be good. And so all of a sudden, with no warning, no drizzle before it happens, monsoon, wall of rain, absolutely terrible. To the point where this flat parking lot that doesn't have, like, any hills, peaks, or valleys is literally water coming up to your ankles, and I wish this was an exaggeration, and on top of that, the wind is so bad, the wind gusts clocked in between 60 and 70 miles per hour, that people were sprinting to get inside, people fell down as they were sprinting, a girl cracked her tailbone, and then a table flipped, and hit her in the head, and knocked her out, shout out to her, um, all sorts of damage, like Laura alluded to. My phone is in the wreckage, but like what I really feel bad for is like students <laughs> losing technology and all this kind of stuff. It's just crazy, and it was dangerous. It was scary, and we had no warning. There was no way we could have prevented it, but it was the most horrifying moment of my uh, professional career to this point. And I would love it if nothing else like that ever happens to me again, because like you mentioned, I'm currently phoneless. And let me tell you. I did not realize, and maybe I did, I'm addicted to my phone. Like, I am addicted to my phone. Not being able to contact people or communicate with people other than on Instagram has been my own personal hell for the last three days. It has sent me into a spiral that I don't care to admit.
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been rough. And, and I will say, as someone who has planned those events by herself for, um, other institutions and knowing how much work and how much setup and all of those things that go into it to have it come like to just have it destroyed like that in such a dramatic way um, is is devastating um, and it's it's not a fun way for the stu- for students to be you know welcome to campus and. Um, It's, yeah, you've you've just been through the ringer the last three days and um, really the last two and a half weeks, um, as we've alluded, since we've had to take some time off um, here or there. But it is great. I'm glad that you survived and that you are in one piece. Um, I did make a joke that if you wanted a break from me, you didn't have to destroy your phone um but you never sure. no, come up
0: with a better way
1: <laughs> you would come up with a better way to get a, away from me and my incessant okay well at least i know then so it'll be more dramatic if you do will uh break correct you. awesome love that but um so yeah it's just been uh like we said in our last episode two weeks ago if you've seen anything or interacted with anything on our social media for the podcast it has just been me so if you thought something was, i
0: checked in once
1: you did check in once but other than that just me um because i have a, a lot more free time currently and have been trying to keep us afloat and still in your minds
0: Trust Um, me, I have been plenty afloat over the course of the last three days. In fact, everything that I owned was floating. So we love that. But That is true. Great news. Rescheduled that event for September 9th, which is the day before the Columbus Podcast Awards. So I get to wake my ass up bright and early on September 10th to come down to the good old 614. Um, So can't wait for that. We'll probably touch on that a little bit later. But – before we do that, I guess you all probably don't want to hear me talk for another 12 minutes about, about my job and about the rain in which I'm still rigging out of my clothes from that day. You probably want to talk about some hockey. And um, honestly, kind of bad news. Not a lot of hockey to talk about, like actually playing the game. <laughs> um, everything, of course, as we know, this time of year is happening off the ice. And as we all know, August is not exactly the time for a lot of news and notes, but we do have some things that we can definitely talk about here today. Thankfully, um, you know, I guess maybe that's the formula over the summer: is just wait two to three weeks, and maybe finally your episode can have some content. And here we are with that content because the World Juniors wrapped up uh, not too long ago, about a week and a half ago. I need to make sure that I mute my messages <laughs> on my on my laptop because, again, only way I'm getting messages right now laptop. Um, and so. All of that to say, Canada reigns supreme once again on the world stage. Not exactly something that's overly surprising after all the success that they have always had on these kind of stages. But um, a little bit of a Columbus twist to how this one ended, Laura.
1: Yeah. um, It was a pretty tight game. It went into overtime. Um, And then what is soon to be... Um, Our second golden child or golden boy on the team, uh, Mr. Kent Johnson scores and wins it all for team Canada and literally like blows up hockey at that point. Like so many people were talking about um, Kent's goal and obviously the work of um, Canada's goalie as well during overtime Um, but it just sort of exploded. And obviously as, you know, proud members of the fifth line, we could not be more excited for Kent to be bringing home the gold, uh, for team Canada, um, and all of his teammates. I mean, the boys really showed out to congratulate Kent, um, including, um, you know, the person who <laughs> stole his number, even though he, he's 13 for Canada. But uh, Johnny was one of the first people to publicly congratulate Kent. Um, and of course, uh, a hockey Twitter lost their minds. So uh, it's, yeah, it's very exciting. And I hope that Kent is still uh, living it up and will continue to do so until the day he has to either report for prospect camp if he's going to play or report for training camp um, here in the next few weeks. So, but it was, it was awesome.
0: Yeah. And Mason McTavish finding a way to keep that puck from crossing the line um, on a really beautiful chance by Finland. And he finds a way to keep that puck out of the net, breaks to play out, and Ken Johnson, um, you can maybe make the argument that he's the Blue Jackets' only golden boy, quite literally, securing gold for Team Canada. So really exciting stuff there. Of course, David, you and honestly, the litany of Czechs who were involved in the tournament, they end up, um, honestly, this is a bad podcasting. I know they played in the semifinal game. They lost. took home the bronze. And okay, so they did win their their bronze match. So good on on Team Czechia. A lot of people wondering if his performance, David Juracek, I mean, could potentially like make it easier for the Blue Jackets to consider him as a potential roster player in October. Of course, I think you all know Laura and I's philosophy by now and it's that we want them to be wherever that's going to be most developmental for them. And if that means Columbus, great. And if it doesn't, that's also great. But really great performance by Juracek as well. You know, It's going to be a lot of fun to to see how he continues to develop, even if it's not here in North America this season. But uh, good stuff all around for the Blue Jackets. It's it's always nice when World Juniors matter to a fandom because it means that they've got prospects who are good enough to be playing on a stage like that. And so I, I know there's been a lot of talk about whether or not, you know, a lot of different prospects chose who who were originally on Team Canada for the World Juniors back when it was supposed to take place in early 2022. You know, a lot of people chose not to return to the World Juniors this summer. Ken Johnson, one of the players that did. And I honestly think he was kind of rewarded for it. And in the, in the ice time that he had playing panel, or power play minutes with Connor Bedard, who's You know, supposed to be the next great generational talent in the NHL. Just really good stuff. I think you have to be excited if you're a Blue Jackets fan. I know we are. And so shout out to Team Canada. Great work on the gold medal. And shout out to Team Czechia on the bronze. We got to teach these Blue Jackets early, even before they put on the Union Blue, although I guess Kent already has, that winning is a mindset. And we have to win. We're winning in Columbus. And so they're learning how to do that now. and And I love that. Absolutely,
1: yeah. We things looked good. A lot of people were talking about um, the Columbus Blue Jackets over over the course of the whole series of um, the World Juniors. So, you know, any as long as it's positive talk, we're all here for it. And if it's trash talking, then we'll be here to to defend it till the end. But um, yeah, we had such a great showing, and you know, I know a, a, a good amount of those uh, that were representing us for their various countries will be soon to represent in the prospect camp or prospect tournament in Traverse city in a couple of weeks. So still plenty of time to see uh, what these guys are going to be bringing to the table. Um, And yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting.
0: Yeah, it absolutely will be. And uh, speaking of the Columbus Blue Jackets, we're actually not going to talk about them at all right now because we're talking about (laughs) outdoor hockey games. And you know damn well that when we're talking about outdoor hockey games, we're not talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We're talking about some other team. And we are, in fact, talking about a team in the state of Ohio. We're talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes, Guys and that team up north. I forget their name. Uh, We'll be squaring off in an outdoor Outdoor game in Cleveland, Ohio, because, th- yep, that makes sense. Both, <laughs> both of those colleges are located in Cleveland, Ohio, so this, this tracks for sure. Uh, both teams, obviously, not from Cleveland, <laughs> but uh, making the travel in February to Cleveland for that outdoor match. Two games, uh, I believe. Is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. And so,
0: I mean, hey, shout out to them. I don't think it's the first outdoor game Ohio State's ever played. I could be wrong.
1: I believe it's the first outdoor game in Ohio. I believe Not Ohio sure. State has played another outdoor game in a different state.
0: Probably um, I have had to assume, but...
1: Yeah, so it is the first outdoor game in the state of Ohio. Um, this announcement sort of blew up um, sort of social media as it does anytime someone feels like Columbus is being slighted um, as a city in itself. Um for me, though, um, I think it is a a really interesting trial run for Ohio State to go through, um, being sort of in charge of hosting, even though it is at the Cleveland Browns Stadium. Um, to sort of see, and yes, I know everyone on social media goes back and forth about whether or not the shoe is actually winterized and all this sort of stuff. I don't know anything about that. So we're not going to fight about that. I just know what they have said about it. Um, But I think having this hosting opportunity gives them more initiative to try and bring this event to Columbus. Because if it goes really well, if it brings in a lot of revenue... Um, then they're going to be more determined to bring that back down to Columbus, to bring it down to um, the shoe and to not have to share it with a third party like the Cleveland Browns. Um, So, I mean, obviously very generous of uh, the Cleveland Browns to offer up their stadium for this game uh, or two games, I should say. So it's going to be exciting. I know people want to foo-foo about it and obviously – there's, you know, different things about Ohio State that people like to fuss over. But I think it's going to be an exciting opportunity. It's definitely going to be cold. Uh, there is nothing warm in Ohio on February 18th. So it will be a cold one for sure. Uh, tickets are going to go on sale on September 7th. So if you're interested. And I also saw like a little bit of rumbling about the fact that, you um, people who are Brown season ticket holders and the Columbus crew season ticket holders get um, a like presale. And they're like, why does the crew guys, the, the people that own the Browns own the Columbus crew. So like that, that is why if you, if you were unfamiliar, the people who saved the crew own the Cleveland Browns. Um, so that is why, um, so I, I I understand that you are miffed. Um, and also like, yes, the Blue Jackets are the hockey team. Like it would also make more sense if the Cleveland Monsters season ticket holders got pre-sale before Columbus Blue Jackets. Like location, location, location. So I understand the miffness, but that's the explanation for all of it. And I mean, I would be... You know, cool to go and see what the setup is And um, see how it goes And just get to see some outdoor hockey I've never been to an outdoor game before So I'm going to try my best to be there So I think we should just be excited <laughs> <if> Something's <laughs> happening in Ohio
0: Correct, yeah And hey, you have to show love though You have to show ECHL love The Toledo uh, Walleye every year Host a thing called Winterfest which they host at their uh, AAA baseball stadium out there. And they do a game on New Year's Eve. And so that's usually Ooh. a pretty big event. Usually they usually sell it out. Toledo hockey fans, I know y'all are probably listening. You're pretty badass. Like they don't play around. That ECHL game, that playoff game that I went to this year, was, again, some of the most fun I've ever had at a game. And honestly, ECHL hockey is where it's at. It fits my narrative to a T, and I love it. But yeah, I it will be fascinating to see how how that goes. Hopefully there are a lot of people in attendance. I, f- I fear that like if there aren't a lot of people in attendance, like that's going to look empty. <laughs> like, that's a big stadium. Like it, f- it fits a lot of people, obviously, right? Um, so let's play a little game. Let's play a little game. So if you obviously like could choose, if you found out the Blue Jackets, I'm not going to say a Winter Classic because I feel like that. I feel like when we get an outdoor game, it's not going to be like the outdoor game. It's going to be like one of the stadium series games or what have you. Mm-hmm. Who would you like to see the Blue Jackets play in that? Like, who would be your ideal opponent for an outdoor series game?
1: Well, obviously, you want to play to the strengths of, like, who is kind of a rivalry game for us. Um, and depending on, like, if we were to partner with Ohio State, how could we make the, the most of, like, this circumstance and, you know, bring – another large fan base together for it. So for me, I would probably pick Detroit and play, have Detroit come here and then also do like what they're doing in Cleveland this year, do Michigan and Ohio state. Um, And I think that would be, and you could even, if you wanted to toss in like the monsters and the Griffins, like, so you get even more, you can get an AHL level, um, you know, hockey. I don't know if the Griffins are really the monsters like rivals, but it would still be an Ohio versus Michigan situation or even like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of options and you could even like pick, cause you would make it a weekend event sort of a situation, like kick it off on Friday and have the games like increase in, importance over. And then like the big game on Sunday would obviously be the Blue Jackets versus the Red Wings. Um, but you could even pick like two local high school hockey teams and have them like kick it off in the beginning. Because I think that would be super cool and a great opportunity to showcase, you know, Columbus area hockey. Um, so there's a lot of options. And I think eventually we're going to find the right person cuz obviously a lot of this has to do with money and funding and all that sort of stuff. Eventually the right person is going to come along and see or envision this, you know, dream weekend that would really make hockey at the center stage in not only Ohio but I think for a lot of surrounding areas and across the country. So, it's kind of like field of dreams. If yeah. you build it, they will
0: come. Without a doubt. And on, an Ohio team recently played in the MLB's Field of, Field of Dreams game that, that they host, The Cleve- or nope, the Cincinnati Reds. I almost said the Cleveland Reds. We're just stuck on Cleveland right now. That's not a mind space that I'm usually in, and I don't plan to spend much time, and I'm actually going to revert out of it right now. Um, for me, I would say I would almost – Like to see the wild, the Minnesota Wild are the team that I would love to see. FC. I mean, it's the state of hockey as we as we hear all the time, and obviously they've got a lot of different colleges up there who are pretty excellent at hockey. You've got you know Minnesota, you've got Minnesota State, you've got all sorts of different teams up there that are that are really good, and so that could be a lot of fun to do a similar thing. Uh, and I guess you could throw the the Monsters and the Iowa Wild in there. Although I will say AHL-wise, like, the Monsters and the Griffins will be the way to go there. Like, those two teams, like, those games are always really interesting to watch because neither team plays the way they should play. <laughs> <When> they play <laughs> each other. It makes no sense. Um, like, each other's kryptonite, and it just changes the results time and time again. But, but yeah, I, I think I would love to see that. It's two teams that came into the league at the same time, and so there's always been that kind of, like, I don't know if it's real or not, but like to me, I've always seen it as this kind of kindredship or or siblinghood of like us coming into the league at the same time together, kind of having similar similar arches. Of course, they have more success in their early stages of their franchise than we did, but nonetheless, it's still still a good time to to be accompanied with them. Except for last year when they decided to play like a bunch of assholes. That wasn't really my favorite moment of the year, but. Other than that, I mean, but that would be a fun game to watch outside, wouldn't it? Like a crazy game like that, like keep you warm in a cool, cool setting like that. And I'll tell you what, more power to you February in Cleveland because, my God, that's going to be a frigid, frigid game. I'm I'm fairly certain. Is it the first weekend of February?
1: No, it's the 18th of oh, February.
0: Oh, okay, never mind. For some reason, I thought it was the first weekend of February, and I have to be at a conference that weekend. So maybe, maybe I'll be able to make that swing down as long as it's, you know not a blizzard in West Michigan. So fingers crossed on that. Okay.
1: You always, you always joke that you've never seen me wear a coat. Um, You have
0: to wear a coat to that game.
1: Yes. I was saying this would be like the prime opportunity to you to see me wear a coat. So.
0: Yeah. So confirmed Laura will be wearing a coat to that game. Good to know. No reason to stress. If I can't make it to that game and Blue Jackets fans, if you see Laura at that game and she's not wearing a coat, I need you all to take pictures and post it on Twitter. That's the re- the requirement. Unless it's like some random like 50-degree day in Cleveland, then I might like give you a pass, but I will be wearing a coat. Good to know. Gloves and a hat. Um you gloves, yeah. yeah. Dedicated I don't look great in hats. We love a hat. You had a beanie moment and you rocked a beanie. I did, but then I got self-conscious about it. No, you're rocking beanies. I'm team beanie. I love I love a good beanie. I, I didn't got self-conscious beanie.
1: after we ended up on TV and I was wearing it.
0: That's fair. That's fair. That's always, that's never fun to be on TV. Actually, being on TV blows. Like, if, Like, especially when you don't mean to be. And you have
1: no idea until people that, you know, send it to you via email.
0: Correct. Correct. But nevertheless, Laura's wearing a coat. It's going to be great. But Laura, we haven't had a chance to like just not much hockey to watch right now. Not much hockey to keep us entertained. So what are some of the things that you're listening to right now to keep you entertained?
1: Well, I have been pestering you um, for weeks now because I secretly always try and get Jeremy um, to love the bands that I love um, just because they're somewhat obscure. So I don't have a lot of friends that love them too. So this is me uh, peer pressuring him. But my all-time favorite band, Cartel, has released new music over the last couple of weeks. And so that has been um, what has been in my headphones For the last, I would say three weeks in in the mixture of my regular cycle of true crime podcasts.
0: That's fair. Well, hey, lately I've been listening to a lot of like cottage core kind of like vibey music, like nothing like too intense. My favorite playlist right now is actually called Oat Milk Lattes in the Mountains on Spotify. So if you want to listen to that, I highly recommend it. But the reason I think it's been so good, Laura, for me at least, is because. I've been using my Raycon wireless earbuds to listen to that playlist and Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half of the price of other premium audio brands. Raycon gives you eight hours of playtime and a 32 hour battery life. And it's no wonder that Raycon's Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five star reviews. So if you're like me and you throw on some headphones to hyper focus, the noise isolation feature, it's gonna be for you. Wanna change songs, wanna do anything like that, you can tap your earbuds to, to change songs, to pause music you name it. So um, you're really going to want to check these out. They're great. The sound quality is crystal clear and you're really going to miss out if you don't have yourself a pair of Raycon's Everyday Earbuds. And uh, good news for you, I've got the deal for you to get the hookup. So you're going to want to go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Byraycon.com slash THPN. Laura, good news. Hmm. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL week one action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up to seven. You win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team lands, leads by seven points at any point during the game, you're going to get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's about time to start betting on Joey Burrow again, and I'm pretty pumped about it. So... As you Hude. Know, yeah. Who day and all that shit. And uh, can't wait to, to root for the, the black and orange this year. Ohio's favorite NFL team that doesn't employ. Well, it has in the past. I need to like be careful not to call the kettle black and being in the pot. But um, currently does not employ somebody who is a predator as their first string quarterback. Anyway, moving on. So i um, a lot of, a lot of stuff here in the last week or so off the ice for the Columbus blue jackets. The biggest being, um, the announcement from the Columbus blue jackets that Alexander Texier, uh, will not return to the team for the 2022, 2023, 2023 season, excuse me. Um, as part of the NHLPA's protocol for mental health and substance, um, you know, the, the policy regarding those things. And so, um, of course, that's a big loss on the ice, but I think we would be remiss, of course. Um, you all know us as people by now. You all know who we are, what we believe, and how we feel about these folks, and it's that they're players first. Or people first. They're not players first. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, they're people first. And recognizing just how difficult of a decision that had to have been for Tex to, to choose to stay close to home, um, I think what people fail to like consider or understand is – this is like the life, right? Like, I mean, like making it to the NHL, playing, having an opportunity to have a really prominent role on a team that has promise like the Blue Jackets, that's big, right? I mean, like that's what kids dream of and that's what people aspire to. Um, and obviously to make the choice for one's own wellness to, to forego that for a season, to be able to tend to things that matter Um, you know, more than the game of hockey, I think is really, it's really vulnerable. It's really courageous. And I think we all should come together to appreciate and to, you know, celebrate Tex having that kind of courage. And I think we should rally around him to make sure that he's lifted in spirits. Right. Um, As, as we march on through the hockey season, he's still going to be playing hockey. He's going to be playing overseas. Um, which is going to be much closer to home. And so obviously, hate it for the Blue Jackets, but I'm happy that he was able to make the choice that was best for him, best for his family. And I think it goes without saying that we wish him all the best. But Laura, of course, want to get your thoughts.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think... Um, I I was not surprised at the this announcement, and this is also not the first time that... Uh, we've talked about some of the things that Tex has gone through in the last, you know, six to eight months. Um, he experienced a couple pretty devastating uh, personal losses uh, during the past season um, while he was um, both before and during uh, while he was recovering from his uh, hand injury. And I think something that people also don't um, realize especially about them being people, but about how young they are. Like Alexander Texier is incredibly young. I want to say he's like 22 years old. Um, and for any person, grief is such a unique and complicated thing to go through. But especially for a 22 year old who was so far away from his family, who may or may not have experienced anything like that before. Um, You don't know the extent of the relationships of these people to him. Um, And also to just be injured in a way too, where it's like your career and like the expectations that you hold yourself to, or the expectations that your team and your employer and your teammates, like all like that is, and coming out of a, not coming, we're not out of it, but like, coming through a global pandemic all the same time when for over a year, he wasn't able to travel to see his family because they weren't allowing them to like, to go back home in those, in those months when COVID was really um, thriving in the United States. Um, And I think it's important and, you know, mental health is such, such a stigma in this country and really across the world and it's a big thing for players to admit that they reached out to their teams and reached out to, um, you know, the NHL to ask to be reviewed by the, you know, the policies involving mental health and substance abuse, you know, most notably Carrie Price uh, most recently went through this program is still in this program um, because he will not more than likely be, uh, returning for the 22-23 uh, season as they've also encouraged him to repair an injury during this time. Um, you know, Lehner, uh did it in his time uh, Well, in a previous year with Vegas. Like, um, you know, these are, these are things, these are, they're people, they go through hardships just like anybody else. And it was really disappointing to see some fan reactions on social media being upset that Tex, you know, isn't coming back, but more so being upset that he will continue to play in Europe. Um, and the the weird thing about that is, like, first of all, I, I I don't think that you've looked at a map recently and looked at like how close Sweden is to France. Um, like it is a very quick train ride, short flight, could maybe even drive it, like. Which is a whole different realm of things when you're talking about a multi hour flight, like that's not direct from Columbus to France. Like he is so much closer in pro- proximity to his family right now, which that's the most impar- important part. And honestly, if you want text to like fully heal like playing the game that they love is such a healing experience for them so it's actually a good sign that he asked to be able to play over in europe i would be more concerned if he had said to yarmo i just don't want to play for a whole year like i just don't i don't have it in me i don't want to like i just don't want to um And also everybody saying, oh, well, this is the last time he'll be a Blue Jacket, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the 2022-2023 year. So that doesn't mean that he's no longer going to be a Blue Jacket. I'm sure that Yarmo has every intention of working with him to sign another contract um, or to help him on the next step in career. But in his career, but he's never given any indication that he doesn't want Tex to be a part of this organization. So, you know, I think it's more important that we support Tex and hope that he gets the help and the support and the time to heal that he needs so that when he does come back to the NHL, um, he feels good and he feels, supported and he feels welcomed back and you know all those sorts of things so we are very pro mental health um and taking care of yourself over um nothing more important than your life and your happiness so we are very happy for tex that he's taking this opportunity
0: Definitely. And actually, he'll be playing in Switzerland, which even shares a border. So even closer than Sweden. So yes, very close to home, very good for him to be in that position. And so um, we wish him absolutely nothing but the best. And of course, as we all know, Twitter is successful. And uh, sometimes it's best to just ignore some of the things that you see on that app. Um, Speaking of things that you see on the app... (laughs) (laughs) or uh, maybe a little ludicrous or a little bit, um, you know, unsavory perhaps. Uh, So over the weekend, I believe, uh, originally what I read is a satirical tweet um, from a reporter, and I'm pulling this up now just to make sure that I uh, give credit where credit is due. But um, let's see here. I'm going to lose it. Where did he go? Oh, no, I cannot find the tweet. So his name is Nick Alberga. So he tweeted, um, he's at the Golden Muzzy on Twitter. He's a freelance NHL broadcaster, um, does work with Sportsnet, and uh, does some work with NHL Fantasy. So he tweets, can't wait for Patrick Kane to land in Columbus. And so, of course, ha, 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 funny, funny, funny. We all know that Yawakakalayan is the king of getting people to come to Columbus when people are least expecting it, yada, yada, yada. So then replies to the tweet, LOL, just had someone who's in the know text me and tell me that Columbus is a legitimate team to watch here. Go figure. So um, all of that to say even more confirmation about Columbus being in the potential hunt uh, from, uh, from David Pagnata of the fourth period. He's somebody who has usually been pretty good at at being on top of some of this more, like insider knowledge and things of that nature. And so, that's something to keep an eye out. That is a real thing that is potentially, and, and it could be similar to like the whole like Jacob chicken thing. Although David Pagnano would be the first one to tell you that also apparently a deal fell through with the blue jackets and Phoenix Fien- or I'm going to call them the Arizona coyotes one day, but it's apparently not today um, that a deal fell through between the jackets and the coyotes for a trade for Jacob chicken at the draft. They thought they had something and apparently they didn't. And so these things, Rumors happen where there's smoke, there's sometimes fire, but sometimes when there's smoke, there's just smoke. Um, and so this is one that I think is fascinating. Uh, obviously, it's a polarizing topic, that Patrick Kane has the, the career off the ice that he does and that he's been a part of an organization that's had a pretty rough go of it in the last few years due to some of their own negligence. So, Laura, what were your initial thoughts when you read this on Twitter?
1: Um, Well, first, I didn't believe it. I had to check um, because I didn't see just his like first by the time I saw it on Twitter, it was both of his tweets. So it was the satirical one and his reply. And so because I'm always the one that gets tricked on social media between the two of us, um, you guys have no idea how many times I screenshot stuff and send it to Jeremy just to make sure. Um, So I because I knew you were busy. I like triple verified that this man is legitimate. Um, and like double checked his like account and how many followers he had and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then I sent it to you. Um, we haven't really engaged in any of the conversation, um, on our social media regarding it. Um, and I, I don't really want to go into it cause it is a very polarizing situation, but, I am not a fan of the idea of Patrick Kane becoming a blue jacket. Um, Sure. He is an incredibly talented player. One of the best of his generation and of his class. Um, But for me, like Jeremy alluded to his life off of the ice and how he has um, conducted himself as a representative of his current team Um, do not suit my version of the Columbus Blue Jackets. That is not a personality um, or a presence that I would like to be in our locker room. Um, And I also am not, in just in general, not a huge fan of taking on a 34-year-old who is, you know climbing closer and closer to the end of his career when we could, you know, take chances on someone younger um, that's going to have more longevity with the team. Not to mention the fact the kind of stuff that our team and our lineup would have to go through unless Chicago was willing to maintain like half to three quarters of his salary. Like that's going to be another huge hit to our lineup as it currently stands. And as upset as everyone was when Oliver left, you're gonna have to have another person or two um, who make a decent amount of money on this team to leave in order for us to afford Patrick Kane's salary. So well, not to upset certain people and get into the details, I'm not a fan of this potential transaction, but I don't get to make these decisions. I just get to hope that um, what we know about how Yarmo works—that there's just smoke in this situation.
0: Yeah, and I mean, even even if the Blue Jackets, I'm fairly certain the maximum allowed is 50%. If the Blue Jackets even were able to get Chicago to take 50% of that salary, it's still five million dollars. a ten million dollar contract. Now, for what it's worth, there's a year left on the deal. Um, Like you mentioned, though, I mean, like, of course, he's not getting younger. I just doesn't, like, everything you said, yes, times a 1,000. I totally agree with you. I don't want him on the Blue Jackets. Even outside of that, I don't think it's a trade that makes sense on the ice either. Like, to me, right, I mean, like, the thing the Blue Jackets would have going for them is that Chicago would probably, like, I'm not 100% sure what their exact cap number is, but they're they're definitely not spending a lot of money this year. So trading with Patrick Kane, they almost have to take – they either have to hold on to some of that money or take on another contract to be able to, you know, stay above the league minimum salary cap. And so, I mean, you have immediate people such as Gus Nyquist or Jakub Voracek that meet that requirement. The thing about Jakub Voracek that, I mean, could be seen as some value for Chicago is that that's a multi-year contract. So they're really burning the shit down and they're really going to have – the lowest possible outcome, (laughs) like potential, they're going to not spend a lot of money. And so they might need a big contract like that to be able to stay above the minimum. And um, that could be appealing, but I don't think it's for, for Patrick Kane. Like, I just don't, in terms of what this team is and what it has moving forward. I mean, if you really, if you really want Patrick Kane to be a part of the future of this team, I again, do not. If Yarmo does, why not wait until July? Like, why make a trade to secure this guy with a year left? And, like, and for what, right? Like, I mean, like, I think we've all talked about this. Like, I don't think this team, offensively, if you add Patrick Kane to the lineup, this team is really great offensively. Like, period, point blank, like, that's just reality. The defense is still shoddy. Like, the defense is still not, like, Stanley Cup winning, the the goaltending is still a question mark. Like, is Elvis going to bounce back this year and have himself a really good year? Like, there are so many variables that make this season an unknown for the Blue Jackets, even with the addition of a player like Patrick Kane or a player of his caliber. Now, if you add in a defenseman that has a lot of quality, like maybe a Jacob Chikorin, then okay, sure. If you were to pull that off of the draft, maybe we could have conversations and maybe we could go somewhere. It just, as a hockey trade, just simply doesn't make sense to me. And so for that reason, I'm out. I'm feeling like a shark. I'm feeling like a, like a shark tank shark. And for that reason, I'm out. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense at all. And so I will not be having any of it.
1: Yeah, and I, I'd rather put my trust in Johnny and our already Patrick um, and see what they can do along with our other pieces and not be a part of that situation. But I'm sure everyone else has an opinion. I've seen a lot of people's opinions about it, but um, yeah, it's it's not a fit for me.
0: Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally agree with you. And I almost wonder, and this could like, I could be wrong about this, but for people who know, Tom Dundon, he's the, he's the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. And if you think about every single free agent and or big name piece available, it feels like the Hurricanes are always involved in the conversation. Whether or not they make the trade, whether or not they sign the player is irrelevant. They are always seemingly in the conversation for players that are available. And so I almost wonder if it's the kind of energy that Yarmul or even... Further up than Yarmo, we're talking about ownership. We're talking about, you know, Mike Priest. Like, I wonder if those people are saying we want to be in the mix of everything. Like, we don't want to ever leave a stone unturned. And so there might be validity to the Blue Jackets have listened to what the Blackhawks want in exchange for Patrick Kane. That could be very, very true. I think you can make an argument that it's irresponsible to not do your research on what people are asking for for certain players because I think that informs the market. But it's just, it could be one of the scenarios where Yarmo is expected to be in on as much as he can be. And that's exciting. Like, I mean, like, if you're a Blue Jackets fan, like, that's exciting. I don't, I would rather have that than have a GM that. It doesn't really do much. I mean, like, I know a lot of people have been talking about Lou Lamorello for the last few weeks about how, like, the Islanders really didn't do shit all offseason. And he's like, oh, I think we're good, though. Like, I think we're going to be fine when, like, every team in the Metro, with the exception of maybe a couple of teams, got categorically better. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, no, for sure. The Islanders don't do anything that worked. Uh, So so we shall see. But, yeah, I, subjectively speaking, does not endorse a trade for Patrick Kane. In any circumstance, and I sh- would go out on a limb and say I don't even know that, uh, subjectively speaking, endorses us trying to sign him when he's a free agent next year.
1: Yeah, um, and and like you said, the idea of of Yarmo being active and like listening to the market and like hearing things out that's that's great for us. I mean, ultimately, that's how we ended up getting you know Johnny in the off season. Like that was the main thing is Yarmo was listening to everything, and Yarmo was you know weighing and considering all of our options and sometimes it works out great and we get this incredible opportunity that we're going to have with Johnny but i also think there's maybe something to because of that the decision with Johnny because it it blew everyone's minds like and you know Johnny did make a point to say that other players have asked him about Columbus and you know, that we're finally being talked about in a light that is positive as opposed to like this hillbilly, you know, pocket town that happens to have a national hockey team in it, you know, and people are seeing that Columbus can be a place that people want to go. I think for for media and things, that is something that makes things salacious now. So they want to attach Columbus to things because it just, you know, it blows up people's minds and, you know, all hockey, you know, social media and like um, journalists perspective or, you know, constantly talking about the shock of anyone wanting to go to Columbus. So whether there's any true evidence of this, whether you're just listening to it, whether it's a ploy to get people to be talking about where Patrick Kane is going to go. Um, yeah, it's, we are we are an easy thing to tack on to right now when you're looking to get traction on a situation is to just include that potentially Columbus is in the mix um so it is what it is but
0: yeah and it's no, the thank time yeah it's it's the time of year where rumors are gonna run rampant because there's nothing else to really talk about. So do with that what you will. One thing that's not a rumor and one thing that is absolutely confirmed, and we are so excited about it is that um, there will be for the first time in, I want to say, I don't know if the w, I don't know if the NBA has done it with 2k. I don't know if there's ever been a female athlete on the cover of a 2K game but we have our first ever and honestly like took long enough female athlete on the cover of ea sports nhl 23 it's something that i think you and i both are absolutely over the moon about um so talk to me about what your initial reactions were um upon discovering That there was a a female Sarah Nurse on the front of NHL 23.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, um, as I've talked about before on this show, though I take very seriously the role that I hold um, in our dynamic of wanting more female voices and being very proud of being a female voice um, starting to do whatever in hockey um, and really wanting to get more coverage of these incredible female hockey players that are really, I mean, justifying the odds and doing just as much and succeeding just as much, which shout out to team USA for winning today. Go girls. You are amazing. Um, But to see, especially something from, not necessarily from the NHL itself, but like from a different community. So from the sports gaming community, which is such a thriving market, like it's such a big deal. These releases every year are such a big deal. Everyone for months leading up to them are always talking about who's going to be on the cover. Like, what's the cover going to look like? What team, like, you know, are they going to go with an old standard like Austin Matthews or like, is it going to be whatever? Um, And I think the, the decision to have Sarah um, on the cover, but also with one of the biggest rising stars in the NHL um, with Trevor egress is such a big deal. I mean, Trevor is echoing in a new standard of play into this league. He is definitely the poster child for these outrageous goals that are starting to become more common across the NHL. Like, He is a young superstar. I mean, I don't always love his like attitude all the time, but you know, it's hard to not, I guess, have an attitude when you're as talented as he is. Um, But to have them both on this cover, sharing this is really like bringing in and celebrating and hopefully a new era within hockey on all aspects. So Bringing in, you know, more coverage for women's hockey, bringing in these new types of plays and types of goals and sort of younger energy that's so vital to keeping this game like an interest for people and to grow it. So I'm pumped. Um, and yeah, I just think progress all the way. I wish I I wish I played Um because it would be cool, but I do vicariously live through Jeremy when he plays and he lets me pick out things when he builds teams. So, um but yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it is a great step forward and you know, I just give a big F you to anyone who bitched about it online. Um just say that you don't like women. Like just put it in your profile that you don't like women and then move on. So, but I'm I'm proud of EA Sports for making this decision.
0: Definitely, and I do want to shout out NBA 2K22 featured a WNBA special edition that featured Candace Parker on the front cover, and so uh, also 2K23 Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird on that version as well. So, um, you know, oftentimes I feel like the WNBA ushers in a lot of really positive change for representation for women in sports, but um, good on the NHL to be a part of that this time around, and shout out to EA for doing exactly that, but... Laura, that kind of wraps up all of the the stuff that we wanted to touch on and cover today. We've got some fun stuff that I know is going to be coming up in the near future. So, obviously, we've got the Columbus Podcast Awards that are happening on September 10th. We've got another episode happening before then. So, don't even fret, friends. You're going to hear from us again. But that will be a lot of fun. Maybe we can talk about what we're going to wear, what we're going to do on the next episode. Uh, You know, obviously, as we've heard, reverse retro jerseys are coming back. There have been some leaks about – about what that might mean for the Columbus Blue Jackets. We'll reserve our thoughts on that until our next episode, because something tells me that the Blue Jackets might be a little dormant between now and the next time we record. So we'll save that one for the next time. But uh, Laura, is there anything else on your hockey brain before we wrap this one up? Um, No, just like shout out to Cole
1: Sillinger for being mentioned for probably the first time at uh, the VMAs. Um, by his lovely girlfriend, uh, Miss Tate McRae. It's still so
0: weird to me still. Like it's like not weird, weird, but it's just like wild to me.
1: I just want to know if after that interview what the like amount of Google searches were for who is Cole Sillinger. So um but yes, our, our golden boy um has has broken to I guess the celebrity like era of his life um (laughs) by far the most famous um player girlfriend at the current moment so yeah um, but it is adorable and um maybe we'll see her at some home games depending on her tour schedule so
0: it just might happen it's wild that is crazy i want to know what the blue jackets group chat was like after after that red carpet interview i really do
1: I do as well. I also want to know, as you and I have said before, I want to know what the group chat is with the players um, with Cole getting so much social media attention on Tate's um, social media um, and what they are chirping him about. Um, Cause I'm sure it's pretty hilarious.
0: Oh, Oh, 100%. Um, so maybe maybe one day we'll hear from the players about the rousing they've been giving to Cole. But, friends, that's going to do it for us on this one. Laura is better than anybody at telling you where you can keep up with us. Who knows? Maybe over the course of the next few weeks and in that, I mean, days, I'll have a phone again and I'll be able to engage on Twitter more frequently than I have been. But, Laura, tell the good people where they can find us in the meantime.
1: Absolutely. You can follow us on social media on Twitter and, at, and Instagram at subjectively pod. You can follow us on Facebook at subjectively speaking. Uh, if you would like to learn more about this, learn more about us and how we started the podcast and our friendship and all that sort of stuff, or just look at the really cool um, design of it all. You can check out our website, subjectively Um, Also, if you would like to support your two favorite hockey podcasters um, and help us out uh, with a little kickback. You can visit our merch store. um, Subjectivelymerch.com is our brand new website. Um, It only currently has one of our designs up on it right now, which is our Here's Johnny merchandise, which I promise I'm going to start plugging more on our socials as we get closer to the season starting because it's such a cool design. Shout out to our graphic designer, Stephen Kinnicki, And all of our other designs will be up on that website soon, Um, but every little bit helps. We don't like make a ton of money, but we have big dreams. So any any little bit counts. And then as Jeremy mentioned earlier, um, we will be attending the Columbus Podcast Awards on Saturday, September 10th. The event is open to the public. So if you wanna go, you can buy tickets. Uh, we've posted the link in our link tree, which you can find on all of our socials, um, and I'm sure we will post it again as we get closer. It's $12 per person. You can come watch us maybe win something. Uh, like we've always said, it is an incredible honor to be nominated, but it'd be fucking sweet to win. But either way, we are going to make it a very fun night out for the two of us um, and anyone who wants to celebrate or well um, in our, you know sorrow, depending on the results. And then lastly, you can rate review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Uh, particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, scroll on down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. We are desperately trying to get to 55 star ratings by the time the season starts. So you know, got a little bit of time, but we're only three away, so it's not that many. So if you haven't yet, please drop us a review, leave a comment. Um, Again, we don't know how the algorithm works, but we just know that all of those things help us get noticed um, by the hockey podcast community and helps to bring more listeners to our show. But other than that, we just love and appreciate you so
0: much. I love that I have your tonality memorized at this point. Like I just like know how you're going to say things. It's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, stay dry. Stay. Don't be like me. If it's raining outside, put your phone away. Don't try to save people's lives instead. Save your phone. <laughs> um, and we will, uh, we'll be back again next week. New episode on Tuesday. So you're going to keep it locked to all those wonderful places that Laura mentioned and we will talk to you then but until we get the chance to re-record we'll uh, hope you stay well and uh, we'll talk to you soon bye